shot. He's got a touchdown. And Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome back to the Bucks Banter Podcast. This is our Shaq Mason episode, or or our inverted foreplay episode. Not because not because Scott and I plan to explore the boundaries of our relationship or anything, at least on the air, uh, but it's because this is in fact our 69th installment of the Bucks Banter Podcast. So thank you for joining us, and uh, if you're doing so live, please make sure that you are subscribed to the channel on YouTube. If you are listening on Apple, Spotify, or any other streaming service, please rate rate review the podcast and make sure you check out BucksGameDay.com for all of the Bucks content you need in your life. That is the only Sports Illustrated website dedicated specifically to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Scotty, before we get into this uh, this interesting Bucks game, <laughs> uh, not sure how to phrase it, but before we yeah. get into that, I just want to hit on some news so we can kind of get that out of the way. Absolutely. Tie up some loose ends. Hope you're doing well. I am. I, you know, I saw the email, the the link for the episode in in my email and saw that it was the 69th episode. And it was a little bit curious as to where you were going to go. And uh, as always, you exceeded, exceeded my expectations, pal. And uh, if that's not exploring the boundaries of our relationship, then I don't know what is. So, so well done. I like to think I would have exceeded them had we explored the boundaries. Well, I mean, there's a time and a place. Yeah, right? and this, so this maybe, probably isn't it. This probably maybe, isn't it. Maybe if they win the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah. Look what happens when Bo's not around. Jeez. I know. Fucking guy. Uh, okay, well, the Buccaneers <laughs> waved a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, uh, even though he hasn't been in Tampa forever, and that is Jalen Darden. Um a player they moved up to select in the fourth round of the 2021 draft. Really talented athlete receiver coming out of north texas the mean green a bit of a sleeper people were high on him once they you know put on the tape he was like the second most prolific receiver in college football uh, next to devonta smith that year things haven't worked out for jalen darden and i think their hopes for him to excel in that kick return game punt return game um just haven't happened to, to put it plainly and he's actually been a lot better this year than last year Mm-hmm. So it's interesting timing, like midseason, because if you look at the numbers, I mean, he's he, he's actually above average as far as returners go. So a little curious about what their plan is here moving forward. But there is no doubt that like Darden has stood out more for his slight stature and his fear of contact and mm-hmm. inability to keep his footing than he has any sort of game breaking ability as a return man or a receiver. He hasn't gotten any reps as a receiver and the few he has, he has not taken advantage of uh, dating back more to last year. So. Yeah. No more, no more Jalen Darden. I really, uh, that's too bad. You know, I mean, I hope for his sake, I hope he uh, he finds a good spot where he, he's obviously going to get more reps at receiver and more chances to actually uh, impact the game. I, I do think he underwhelmed when he played, but also kind of a victim of circumstance with how many receivers the Bucs have, not that they use them or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's too, I mean, 2021 draft you know to 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 release a guy that you that you moved up to pick it's just you know i just liked him i guess i just wanted to see him do well it's not affecting the bucks uh the bucks chances much this season obviously i just that was a guy that i really wanted to see uh to see pop off for them so you know onward and upwards jalen yeah yeah well said um kj Britt. Talking about that same draft, um, he has finished his stint on the IR, and he's free to rejoin the roster at any time. That's a, that's nice for special teams. He's a really solid special teamer and a reserve linebacker, so certainly doesn't hurt to get some other bodies in the mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a bit of a shocker, former Buccaneers assistant GM John Robinson was fired this week as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. Bit of a surprise based on the team's you know recent success and the fact that he was just extended within the last year. So really curious to know what's happened there. I mean, he was extended not long ago. So, like, so I have a Titans friend who's like a smart football fan, and we, we, we were talking, and he's, he's not upset with the move at all. He, he thinks it was kind of due based on his regression as a drafter these past few years. Right. 
And I guess the AJ Brown, the timing though is just so peculiar because it's right after AJ Brown lit them up. And I'm kind of like, okay, you can't really pin that just on the GM. There's no way you go ahead with that move without blessing from ownership or them telling you they're not going to pay the guy. Right. I know. I know, but it just looked so bad. Right. And, and the Eagles are good. And AJ Brown has been, has stepped in and just been, uh, you know, a one, a number one receiver for them right away. You know, alongside Devon alongside Devonte, obviously uh, in Philly, but you know, and there's the optics of tra- Traylon Burks goes down in that game on Sunday. And then they just have no one else to throw the ball. Like that game was over. Burks made an unbelievable catch in the end zone and somehow hung onto the ball, but it basically cost him his life. Like that's how big the hit was. Right. So that game was done. Um, you just don't see the GM get fired in this, in the middle of the season very often. Right. And I have to assume Vrabel has so much clout and so much cachet with the organization that he was like, you know what? I don't want to keep the half want to have to keep winning games as a six point underdog. I would like to be a favorite in one of these games. Right. And and I have to assume that that, that was a big part in, in Robinson uh, finally get or getting let go. Obviously the draft um, not drafting as well, but that's leading to this, these, Vrabel having to coach up inferior talent every single week, right? That's that gets to be a little bit much, I'm sure. Yeah, and shout out to Mike Hart. Uh, I just realized you know Mike Hart too. We played yeah, basketball with him. So, was Hart, yeah. Yeah, and and he was he was fully on the uh, Vrabel potential Vrabel rift, and I mean it makes a lot of sense. So I'm glad that you mentioned that as a yeah. potential reason. But I mean, there's only so many things, right? Yeah. This this is this is likely. It. Still, still strange timing though. Still strange. Like, like, I don't know why. Why extend him then if you had any un- uncertainty um, regarding his future as your GM? But and, and I know you just want to get it done, but now it's like, how many more transactions are really being made? But yeah, it's a distraction. Season, right? Feels like, like an, feels like an unnecessary distraction. Yeah, and you're not gonna. I don't think they, unless I miss this. I don't know if they've hired or promoted anyone to to actually get started on or not get started, but continue with draft prep. Cause that was, that would be what a lot of departments would be working on now. I don't know. It just, all of it is, is strange timing. For sure. For sure. And I would assume yeah. they've just ha- have someone in there on an interim basis. Yeah. And, you know, I was about, yeah. That's my I assumption. Seen, yeah. There hasn't been, I mean, if that got, if that snuck past us that the Titans hired a new GM, like that's pretty bad. I don't think that's what happened. So. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into this. The Buccaneers yeah. in a miraculous <laughs> comeback, like, defeat the the New Orleans Saints. They sweep the Saints on the year. They win this game 17-6 with three seconds left on the clock. The Bucs now sit at 6-6 and and appear to have a pretty solid hold on the NFC South Division. Uh, In terms of this game, there's lots to discuss. I mean, you know, it ended, uh, as we've seen many times over the years, Tom Brady orchestrating an impressive comeback um, to overcome, though, what was otherwise, and this isn't like traditional Tom Brady, another disappointing offensive performance by his team. I think the defense just continues to keep them in games and yeah, it kind of yeah. needs to be acknowledged. Uh, aside from takeaways, they're not, if the Buccaneers were getting more takeaways, which is ma- supposed to be a major staple or a goal of Todd Bowles. I mean, it is every defensive coordinator, but he really emphasizes Ben, but don't break, create a couple takeaways. If they were taking the ball away, I think they would be ranked way higher and they're already ranked like as a top, I think, well, it depends what metric you use, but they're, they're in that top 10 in any metric defensively. And uh, they're only giving up like less than 18 points a game. So they're doing their job and then some. Uh, But unfortunately, it just the defense playing so well seems to be fueling Todd Bowles's pigeon hearted decisions on fourth down and plus territory. Yeah, because like it's it's really it was in this one frustrated me so much. You guys heard us on the last pod. We were all equally as mind boggled, but really just incomprehensible for him for what happened in Cleveland. Right. And how similar of a situation Bowles found himself in down the stretch at home versus the Saints in, with the Bucks trailing by 13 points in the first, fourth quarter plus territory. Like, if not, then when? Like, that. So, anyway, same <laughs> scenario, same result. A fucking touchback with his rookie punter he's trusting to redeem himself, I guess, and pin them deep. Kicks a touchback. So they gain 20 yards of field position. Um, and I mean, it took a goddamn miracle to overcome it. So I don't want people to brush it under the rug and be like, oh, well, because a lot of people are playing the whole, well, it worked out in the end. Uh, you know, I'd criticize them if they didn't get the win. No, fuck that. That was stupid. They they won in spite of that, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? and then people are applauding him for 
Um, later, later when Tom Brady in their own end zone, or sorry, their own, what were they on? Like their own 35-yard line, um, fourth and 10. Brady wanted to go for it. They were showing it on the screen. He was kind of saying, no, we're staying out here. Went to a timeout. Bulls had overruled him. And I was glad that he overruled him there, to be honest. And I said that in the chat. Yeah, that's completely – those are – like I, I kind of saw that those were getting lumped in together a little bit on Twitter after the game or even during the game when it was happening. It was like, okay, fourth and seven on their 40 down two scores, like that is a no – first of all, that's a no-brainer. The fourth and 10 um, on their 20 or whatever it was, I think it was their 20 or 25 actually. Yeah, okay, they probably still should have gone for it, but that one's more defensible than um, – than the, than the other one, than the one in, in, in plus territory, obviously. I listened to the press conference after, and Bulls gave some ridiculous answer regarding that one, like the one in their own end, Colin, because he's like, yeah, because if we go for it and don't get it and they kick a field goal, we're down 20 to 3. And it's like, well, I don't want to defend you, but you're not down 20 to 3, actually. Like, you're down 19 to 3. So it still is two scores, technically, right? So, like... I don't know if he was just trying to, I don't know. I don't even know what he was trying to do there. He was just wrong. First of all, if it was 17 to three at the time, and then a a field goal makes it 20 to three, then that is different, but that wasn't the case. Regardless, it's the one in plus territory. That's just, it's just, I don't even know what to say. And the fact that it happened a week after the Cleveland debacle is, it's 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 alarming like to it's, me it's like, it, it's like the football gods gave him a chance to redeem himself and prove that he's capable of change because that was a no-brainer just like the previous week in the exact situation basically like in the exact situation and you know hey punter stop kicking it through the end zone also but that's that's separate it's he never should have had to, he never should have been on the field obviously but also in the press conference, he's like, you know, there's seven minutes. There's a there's a lot of time on the clock. There's only a lot of time on the clock because Andy Dalton and Dennis Allen are on the other sideline. If they do anything right in that last portion of the game, then they're the you know the Bucks are five and seven coming off another ridiculous loss. They had three points in the first fifty-seven minutes of the game. Like, oh, I it, and and the, speaking of that, sorry if I may. No, um, please. That, that, that first drive, they had a tremendous drive to open the game. Um, I know you were balling at playing basketball at that time, but yes. they, they drove the whole like 75 plus yards. It was a phenomenal, methodical drive, really well done. And then they end up kicking a field goal from like the f- three yard line, four yard line. And I'm like, you know, that's the same total they were looking at later in the game. And you could argue, well, they needed those points. Okay. They, like it killed momentum. It absolutely killed the momentum. Just cutting I, the legs out from underneath yourself, in my opinion. I'm sorry, I've said this for years, and I and this was kind of before it became obvious statistically and analytically that you don't kick a field goal from the opposing team's three yard line. It's like New Orleans considers that a win. You yeah. know what I mean? That's a yeah. perfect drive. That's a perfect drive, and the, the Bucks did everything right except score, obviously, and. That's a win for New Orleans, only being down 3 nothing after that. Take the points, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. And then the Saints did it later in the game themselves. They kicked the field goal to make it 13-3 to from, I think, the, from the Tampa 2, which is just, it's mind-boggling. And it was just, it was just the ultimate pillow fight between terrible coaching decisions. And I actually wanted to ask you about that because I thought we would get into that terrible punt right away. But I, like, I, like Colin said, I was getting my ass lit up on the court actually for the first half. So I wanted to ask you about what the first half vibe was. Cause like I said, I was following along on my phone. I see the long drive thinking that's great. Knew they were going to kick a field goal, but how did the rest of the half play out from, from watching it? Yeah. I mean, offensively it was frustrating, man. It was the same old story. You didn't miss much. And again, like I yeah. hate to just blame it on that, but like, I just, I, I have more to, to say in regards to that not going for it off off that open yes, drive. I mean, please. I think I think it's I think it's more valuable even if you don't get it, you fail to convert. The morale of showing that you have faith in them to go for it there and you want to step on their throat would almost alone be more valuable, not to mention the fact then this defense you're in love with Todd Bowles has them pinned back. It's Andy Dalton on the road in a divisional game. That is advantageous as well. Dude, dude I couldn't agree more. Sorry, I know it'd be more interesting if we disagreed, but tier 
Here's what I would say. The morale boost of going for it and showing your team that you actually trust them and that you want to score touchdowns and that you know you need to score touchdowns, that alone for me is enough to go for it. And so is the fact that New Orleans would be on their three. That that alone would have been enough to go for it. Combine the two and it's like a no-brainer. Oh, and also don't forget the possible outcome of actually scoring a touchdown. Right. right? Like yeah. let's let's add that, you know, minor factor into the whole thing. It's yeah. just it's it's just it's such an archaic way to think of like of taking the points and thinking that any drive that ends up with with three is good. It's like, no man, this has to be a touchdown. And you finally come out and 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 have a great drive to start the game. You have a chance to go up seven after getting the ball and you just do that. It's just the wrong decision. So so okay, so after all that, it's three nothing, whatever, same shit, right? Totally. The, yeah. the two defensive head coaches couldn't have put on a more glaring display of overly conservative decisions for their team. Like it's just, you know, it's something we've talked about a lot. You asked yeah. what happened the rest of the game. Rashid Shahid, the uh, he was primarily a kick return specialist. He's kind of, you know, with Michael Thomas's injury, he's kind of moved into more of a role as like a big play threat. And he was all over the place, man. Mm. He was, he was a headache for Jamel Dean, big completion for him. I think he had like, he had a shit ton of yards. Mm. Um, throughout the game so he ended up being a real factor that speed breakaway speed something that um i feel like tampa kind of is missing right now um but uh, and then to me what i noticed a lot was just the buccaneers defensive lines inability to get on andy dalton's ass felt like he had Mm. all day to pass and it really let him settle into a rhythm again why this big play threat this speedster was able to have the time to get open uh, Mm -hmm. it's because andy dalton had the time to wait for him to get open and um you know Losing Shaq Barrett is a tough, tough look for this group, and for it's a sure. lot. It's a lot on JTS's shoulders, um, and I don't want to like spoil what I'm going to get into. But he's one of the players I'll be discussing uh, shortly here in terms of I'm going to cover who I, who impressed me, who impressed, and who regressed or disappointed. So, but um, but then it's just like everything's related, right? Because the Bucks defense has played so well, but as as soon as they don't get off the field on a third down or don't pressure a mediocre quarterback into a tough play on a, on a big let's say a third and eight or whatever then you're thinking oh great they go down and score that's one more possession that our our offense has to score and they just haven't proven that they've been able to do it right so i, I don't i just have to feel like it's it's even more impressive what the bucks defense is doing to be honest because they know they they're like they're hamstrung into having to play a perfect game which like what is it 18 points a game they're basically that's that's amazing. That's all you can ask for and more. And it's still, they need these miracles to win a game, like a Tom Brady miracle to win. And once again, we'll get back into the fourth quarter, obviously later, but I don't know. I just, I almost feel, I feel bad for the defense, honestly. It's yeah. just not an easy way to play. Some account tweeted out that the Bucks would be, how many games have we played? There would be 10 and two if they had scored an average or 22 points in their games. Average 30 last two years, pretty much. They'd be 10 and two. So that's what I mean when I say the defense is doing their job. That's what we mean when we say that. It's like, you're right, man. The defense is like at a disadvantage compared to most yeah. teams. You know, it's it's kind of like the Broncos, just maybe not quite as severe of an example, but pretty damn close. No, it's pretty close, man. Yeah. It's it's pretty close. They've just, the, the Tampa's just happened to win a couple more of these games than the Broncos have. Um, but it just, you know, there are so many one score games in this league. There's just not that much of a difference between the like on a given week between between any two teams, right? Like we've seen it, right? Um, so one score games could be one decision, that one play, one one incorrect use of a timeout, whatever it is at the coaching at the level of, of the head coach, they have to nail it. They, they can't be okay at it. They have to be perfect at it because that's how razor thin this league, like the margins are in this league. And, you know, just looking at what Bowles has done and as we discussed, the fact that he almost had a, uh, you know, a redo this week after the absolute calamity in Cleveland, uh, it's unbelievable that they got it wrong again and even more unbelievable that they won the fucking game. Right. I like, was fuming. I yeah, was, I, I was livid. Yeah. I, I was losing my mind. Honestly, yeah. like I was at my wits end. If they didn't it's, win this game, I don't know. I don't even know what I would have done. Yeah. So it took a miracle for them to win. And it took a miracle for me to not break something expensive in my house. Yeah. 
so okay just, so it would it probably would have been a bowl that i would yeah. have broken yeah yeah todd's if anyone's todd's, todd's yeah. Bowls. Yeah. yeah todd's bowl um so it's it's 10-3 at the half right new orleans has a chance to kind of to really put the game out of reach they kick a uh a 21 yard field goal fourth and two from the tampa three and a 29 yard field goal fourth and two from the tampa tampa 11 if either of those are scores then the game's over right because it's 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 a three possession lead there's no way right so all the fortuitous stuff we haven't even talked about the mark ingram play yet or like or what a blessing oh what a blessing God. when you were watching did did you realize it like because okay so so I was didn't so, mention it. Yeah, I was so blinded by my own like frustration. I like I I certainly noticed it, but like and thought it was fucked. But I was just so excited that the Bucks were gonna get the ball back. So yeah. like so I didn't have time to like properly process how absurd of a scenario that was. Like you know, and you and Bo were talking in the chat. Um, I'm with you. Like I, no matter how hurt you are, just fucking fall forward. It's right there. Like clearly he was on. A, he must have been unaware of the situation. I mean, I respect him for apologizing. It's more, it's a, it's a lapse of judgment uh, more than anything else. He was, uh, you understand a guy to be concerned about his body pulling up right away, like whatever it is, his knee, which he was clearly hurt on our earlier. Yeah. So, so a really strange decision to have him in the game at all. You happen to, you know, a guy named Alvin Kamara, because uh, you wouldn't have if this is your first time watching the Saints. You probably wouldn't even yeah. know who he was after the game. Oh which, my god, which was That's shocking. Crazy. Just the whole, the whole time, I couldn't believe how little he was used. And isn't that wild? Because I know betting against the Saints, the last guy I ever want to see with the ball is Kamara, right? Yeah. Like he is so scary, just has that kind of like Chris Johnson back with the Titan, like can just take it, take it to the house at any single any time he touches the ball, right? Like he's just so sick. But I don't know. Anyway, I guess he hasn't had the same year as he usually does, but still the Ingram thing. I know I was trying to be diplomatic about it actually when we were talking about it in the chat and I couldn't even really couldn't even yeah. really do it because like you go out of bounds that's bad stops the clock you don't get the first down well that's obviously bad because that's three more plays and then you know to exacerbate the problem that Ingram caused by not getting the first down or staying in bounds even they throw a slant like yeah they throw a contested slant on third in a, in a yard and like great play, okay. great, great play by Carlton Davis. Let me great play by Carlton Davis, but the risk and yeah. the risk reward of not having the clock continuing to move there is just so unbelievably not there. Maybe on maybe third and three and a half or something. Okay. But to, to run that slant, have the clock stop and then punt it away is just is malpractice. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. If anything, run the ball twice, right, and get a first down. Go for it on fourth down and try to end the game. But to give him the ball back, I now I will give the Saints this. Obviously, the Bucks haven't done shit on offense. They scored three points on the first drive, and they hadn't scored since then. So maybe they weren't even worried about it. They're just thinking, all right, punt it away, make them go down, make them, you know, go go eighty yards or something twice to beat you. But was there? As bad as the Bucks have had looked, was there ever a doubt that the Bucks were going to score on that drive to make it 16 to 10? I had no doubt that they were going to go down and score on that one. I wasn't sure they were going to come back and get the second one, but I knew they were going to, you knew they were going to score there because even Leftwich has to pick up the pace in that situation when you're down by 13 with five minutes left. Even Leftwich, you know, has to has to do it. So and we know that the Bucs have the best um hurry up offense in the league. So I was quite confident they were going to score there. And um, I don't know, just uh, the Saints, like, what a big help that incompetence was for Tampa or else we're not talking about a win tonight. For sure, man. And, you know, they were they were owed a little bit on the incompetence scale just based on what Todd Bowles has done to them recently. So I, I guess leave it, leave it to another defensive minded head coach to provide that, I guess. But yeah, it's just I don't even want to harp on the defensive minded as much as just the poor decision making, although it does seem to be like there's a correlation. But. No, you're right. No. It's that's irrelevant. It's just another head no, coach. No, I NFL. just know that. Yeah, I know, but I know what you're saying. But like Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coach, he doesn't know yeah. what the fuck's going on. But I know. I, I I hear you. So I don't know. I don't know where you want to go from there. I I mean, 
it is incredible how how effective the Bucks have been in these two minute drive scenarios, uh, especially towards the end of the game. Not surprising with Tom Brady, and you got to think that's naturally a time when he's going to have way more control over what plays are being called. And um, but the one thing people are failing to recognize as well, though, is teams are in a prevent defense. So I, you know, it, it becomes of course it's not, like you, it's not like you can come out off the opening kick and just go no huddle the whole fucking game. It's just not sustainable. Uh, that said, though. They need to improve their tempo, and Byron Leftwich got to figure some shit out. My God, man! Like, you it's know, it's so bad, dude. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, he's not getting fired this season. I don't think Scott Reynolds is really plugged in for Pewter Report. Um, you know, he's pretty confident that that's going to ride out this year, but he doesn't expect him to be brought back next year. We'll see, barring something miraculous. Um, sorry, is, is that Leftwich or Bowles? Leftwich, okay. Leftwich. He expects Bowles to be secure, and again, Scott knows what he's talking about. So, I. Um, I I just that's that is absolutely boggling to me. I don't know what what ownership and what uh what management could be possibly watching to see that uh, like to to actually keep him around. I'm just I, well I was talking about this with a buddy and I and we've discussed this as well like what the hell goes on in interviews. Like I and I'm not saying that tongue in cheek or facetiously like I literally want to know what these coaches get asked. Um, uh, I was talking to my buddy. I guess he was listening to, I think, um, Big Cat and PFT commenter, pardon my take, guys, had um, Kevin O'Connell on, like the the Vikings head coach, and they just gave him a handful of situations. Uh, sh- sorry, shout out to my, my buddy Mike Fosert for, for telling me, uh, alerting me of this. And they were just giving him situations like, okay, fourth and six from their 42 down 11. What do you do? And just stuff like that. Just like just peppering him and just, why isn't that the whole interview? It's cool like, that he, it's cool that he was willing to do that on a podcast. Exactly. Just expose himself. Like be exactly. like, I'm so confident this shit's ingrained in my brain. Like, come on. Well, th- this is the job. This yeah. is, this would be like someone asking you, Hey, what do you do in this situation on your job? You're going to know the answer. Cause that's what you should know. Right. So I just, I thought that was fascinating and it's just the complete opposite of what so many interviews or coaching searches must be like because Bulls has made decision after decision just completely wrong. Just For sure. objectively wrong. And I just uh He I, has he has two I weeks in a row. He he also brings a lot of value to the team with how he calls the defense. And I don't and I don't even want to talk about him or the coaching anymore. I do want to move on and talk about some of the players. But I'm okay. just saying, big picture, that is something to consider. Um, but fair anyway, enough, enough. in terms of the players, who impressed? Uh, I've I've picked three names for each side of the ball. Or sorry, yeah. not for each side of the ball, for who impressed and who didn't. Uh, Keanu Neal, man, like, you know, him and Logan Ryan were two free agent veteran acquisitions. Keanu Neal was converted to linebacker in Dallas, um, but formerly like all pro caliber safety for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he tore his Achilles yeah. right, right in his prime and had a lot of trouble coming back from that. Anyway, those two guys were were thrust into a starting role in this game with the Bucks down, Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield Jr. So that's an injury situation that wasn't talked about too much. Major concern coming in. And man, Keanu Neal, first of all, Logan Ryan, I thought looked solid um, as I've been impressed with him all year. But Keanu Neal was a fucking man on a mission. Like it reminded me of Jordan Whitehead. I haven't like last year, like he was throwing his weight around all game. He is a thumper. And boy, did he have a big, big play uh, down the stretch on that third and long Taysom Hill. He took out Jamel Dean in the process, but he popped that ball (laughs) out of there. And man, was that a, they don't win that game without him making that. No, that's it. That's it. And, you know, you know, say what you want about Taysom Hill. Maybe if that's a real tight end, he makes that play. But I don't know. He tried to come down with it. and It looked like he did. I thought Neil just – it just was a perfectly placed and timed hit. And, you know, a lot of people aren't uh, aren't making that play after getting hit like that over the middle. What a throw by Dalton, by the way. Incredible on, throw. On, that, like, absolutely incredible. That throw was uh, unbelievable. Through yeah. three, three defenders just dropped it in the bucket. Really, yeah. really impressive. Hey, Neil's – Neil's play gave him a shot. That was yeah. it. They ha- he had to do it. That's that was huge. Yeah. So he's filled in nice, man. He had a sack in in Cleveland. Almost had two. Actually, should have had two. So that was good. Levante David, uh, twelve tackles and a sack. 
I mean, he didn't. It didn't really happen the way you'd expect. I'd expect it to happen against the Saints because he'd be matched up with Kamara, catching a ton of balls. But um, that wasn't how it happened. He was all over the place. I, I retweeted. Uh, Mina Kimes kind of took notice herself um, and tweeted out a little clip of him just showing how good he is at changing direction and closing on a play despite his age. And and I I simply said our king because. <laughs> Folks in Tampa know Levante is our king, and he he deserves some uh, love here and there. We're just so accustomed to his consistency and his effectiveness as you know against the run, against the pass, as a leader on that defense. He needs his flowers from time to time, so here they are. And Josh fucking Wells, shout out to Josh Capo, man. Uh, he, he at a point defended Josh Wells, and I've been particularly critical of Josh Wells and what he's shown us in the times he's he's been on the field. That could change real quick coming up against uh, Bosa. Nick Bosa, but for now, he deserves some serious props. He did a phenomenal job against Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan had one tackle, no sacks. He had a couple batted balls, but um, I thought Josh Wells was fantastic filling in for Tristan Wirfs. Exceeded my expectations by a mile. Like, he yeah. get my game ball. Um, and, and then I think, really, Robert Hainsey has quietly been rock fucking solid filling in for Ryan Jensen. Little rough yeah. start at the start, but as soon as they got rid of Luke uh, Gidecki out of that starting lineup, um, you really got to see that Hainsey was, I think, maybe more of a victim of instability to his left side than anything else because he's looked really good and he's grading out quite high as well. He's in like the top third of centers in the league. So first time ever playing center in the NFL, really impressive. And then the same goes for Nick Leverett at le left guard who filled in for Gidecki and then Shaq Mason, the, the right guard. So just ultimately what I'm saying is the O-line, Sands, Donovan Smith, everyone except fucking yeah, Donovan Smith, to say. <laughs> who's supposed to be the veteran on this team. Guys got like six penalties in the last two games. Like probably it's oh my god, the last three games have been a disaster for Donovan Smith, and that's a guy who I was like so like happy to praise over the last couple seasons, including the start of this year when he came back from injury. I was hyped up, um, but it's really tough to see him regress, which is happening before our very eyes. Oh man, and, yeah. Uh, can't He's have not. it. Can't have it. Dumbass mental mistakes, man. Can't have it. That hold, he negated a game-winning touchdown pass to Chris Godwin. It was a ridiculous hold. Didn't need to be done. No. Um, tough look. And like tough you know look. Brady's getting the you know Brady's getting the ball out quick there. And also, what an absolute dart by the way. That like just super unfortunate that that doesn't go down in the books as a touchdown because it was also it was to Godwin who I love, but it was so a throw by Brady. Yeah. Yeah. But Incredible Smith, throw. Like, hey, man, hey, you can't reach across with your right hand and grab someone's shoulder pad and pull. It's just it's just straight up not allowed. Can't do it. They're going to see it because you're huge. Like, yeah. oh, that was – he's – I mean, honestly, he might be as relieved as anyone in that, in that, in that building that they won the game, right? Because, oh, man, that was a tough – that was a tough penalty. I don't know. Feels like he doesn't even fucking care, man. That's what used to piss me off about Donovan Smith. But uh, you would hope he was feeling what? relief from that situation. Anyway, well, I, I'm not trying to like he, he. No one has taken as much shit over their career in Tampa as Donovan Smith has since he was drafted. So I want to just hope he's gonna kind of revert to the mean here, meet somewhere in the middle from over the last two seasons and his first, you know, five in the league. But because uh, when he's playing well, the sample size of late calls him, you know. A, a well above average left tackle. So we need that play from him with these other guys around him banged up and the youth around him. He's got to, he's got to lead by example now. And especially so that's what... with, so I'm just going to say, especially with how well you, you know, you were describing how well the rest of the offensive line played. That's great. You need the left tackle to be good. You need yeah. the left tackle to be there. So yeah. as, as promising as all that is, Hainsey, um, and, you know, the rest of the line that you mentioned, Hey Donovan, you got to be good too, and you got to be uh, you got to be right with them. So hopefully, hopefully they get that cleared up for uh, you know a pretty good defense in the Niners coming up. So yeah, now that's who impressed, who regressed, or at least disappointed. Uh, I mentioned them earlier: JTS, Joe Troyanchink, Tryon Shoyanka. Just not enough pressure on Dalton, and he had such a clean pocket all night, as I mentioned. Obviously, this responsibility doesn't fall squarely on the shoulders of JTS. But as I said, again, with no Shaq Barrett, the Bucs are going to need him to get home at least once in a while. Um, and I thought this would have been a good time for him to do it. But it was just a little too cushy. And, you know, when you're dealing with injuries in your secondary, especially, I mean, you're going to try and get pressure with four. You're going to try and get home with four. 
so that you can you can have those guys back there in the secondary still. You're not having to bring them out of there. So shout out Todd Bowles, though. They had one amazing blitz in the first half where they lined up. Uh, uh, he had Levante David and De- Devin White as down linemen. So the line was just full of guys, linebackers. And then they, he dropped Vea back, Vita Vea, as the sole linebacker. I haven't oh, seen God. that done. And it was super no. cool. They got a sack. You got to watch Vita Vea get a running start. Um, really cool play that uh, resulted That's in a sick. sack. So there you go. Something positive about Todd Bowles. Um, <laughs> Russell Gage. Russell Gage. Back from injury. This is a $10 million a year guy. And, I mean, it's been a massive disappointment so far. And I hate to harp on him because of injuries. But we got to see something from him. And we got to see it in a hurry. You know, and again, it kind of feels like down the field, the only reliable target Brady has right now throughout the game is Chris Godwin. I mean, Evans is getting open. That's I, I'm not worried about Mike. Mike's doing his thing still for the most part. I will say, though, on that P.I. he drew, I thought he still could have laid out for the fucking ball and gave it a chance. I did, too. Like, no one was really talking about that. I thought he was – he kind of made a decision to – that it was going to be better to try to sell the the pass interference. That's what I was maybe giving the better for the doubt, but – 100% 100% that's what happened. No yeah. doubt. Uh, yeah. And maybe maybe he wouldn't have got the call if he didn't. He's a vet. Uh, it's just kind of tough to see because I was like, well, shit, man. Like, maybe you get – I know. I don't know. I kind of yeah. thought he could have come back to the ball and just scored anyway. But, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And and Julio made a nice play. Made a big catch up the sideline on the last drive. Obviously, oh, looked, like Scott- looked like Velociraptor claws. On his fucking yeah. hands on that play, he just picked that. It was yeah. beautiful. I'm feel I'm feeling yeah. way more optimistic about what Julio Jones could bring us down the stretch here compared to what I've seen from Russell Gage. So, but as I've Yo, said, between yeah. the two and Scotty of them, Miller even Scotty Scotty with a huge catch over the middle, dirty yeah. catch, man. Yeah, um, third down. Yeah, I think it was Orlovsky or or Baldinger or someone profiled that play on Twitter, just chopped it up, and like I think it was Orlovsky. It was a nasty release to open that slant oh. up. He had nothing there. There was no one else open. Brady obviously fit it through a keyhole. Um, but he he hung in there. He took it, and he took the hit, and at, couldn't have been at a better time. So shout out Scotty Miller, yeah. man. And I was just going to say, I wonder if he's going to be the guy filling in now, uh, returning punts as well. So he's going to be potentially yeah, involved. Very for possible. This, this team moving forward a little more. So Fast guy in the team. Before that, yeah, before that third down, I had – queued up in our chat i had do you think they go for this fourth down obviously like joking because obviously they had to but you know bulls might have still tried to to take the points or maybe even punt it but luckily they got the third down i didn't get to to fire out that really funny joke so you know (laughs) um yeah that was uh that was a big play by miller if you have godwin evans jones and miller if if those four are going you know, like I feel pretty good, I've, and especially with Rashad White now too. I mean, I, hey, if if those guys can all be clicking at the same time, and I know it's a big ask. Evans hasn't had the best year. Julio's Julio's, you know, always uh, you know, a hamstring away, and we've we've definitely seen some inconsistency from Scotty Miller in both his production and usage. But I like them. I still like the guys. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no, they, it's just yeah. I'm not about to abandon yeah. the fact that I think they have an elite receiving corpse. Absolutely not. Yeah. I will not abandon yeah. that. That's it's pretty much an objective fact. Yeah. I I, so, I, well, I well said, Scotty. Um, I, and I, I mentioned Scotty Miller is the fastest on the team. Another guy who disappointed me maybe would take exception to that, and that's rookie Zion McCollum. I feel bad for this one, but I can't lie. McCollum just looked lost playing in the nickel uh, Monday night mm-hmm. in you know, in his defense, it's not a position he was drafted to play. He's a rookie, nor is it a position I believe he has ever played. But regardless, he got exposed. And I referenced the speed thing because I'm just looking it up right now. His RAS scores, so relative athletic scores. He was a 10 RAS out of a possible 10. So that between 80, 1987 and 2022, he ranks number one out of just under 2,000 cornerbacks evaluated athletically. That's how athletic this kid is. That's crazy. That's insane. Fucked. And they got him in the yeah. fifth round. So just after Tariq Woolen, and those two guys were looked at very similarly uh, just wow. because they were raw from small schools. Um, Tariq Woolen from UTSA, Texas, San Antonio, and uh, Zyma McCollum from Sam Houston State. So bit of projects. Anyway, I, so I kind of feel bad because he got thrown into playing the nickel spot. 
um, which would be really hard for a rookie, but he was slipping all over the place and they were going at him. So that was tough. I'd like to see more from him, but I'm certainly not giving up on him or anything of the sort. But yeah, anyway, yeah, totally that's fair. to impress. That's to impress. That's who regressed. That's where we're at. Enough about that game because now the Bucks are six and six. Uh, as it stands currently, they would be facing off with the Dallas Cowboys, hosting the Dallas Cowboys in a playoff game. <laughs> and I mean, I believe, I still believe you're going to rip me up for this, but I just, I, I like that we got a little time to sort shit out because it feels like we're just going to walk into the playoffs. And if this team, talking about those receivers, talking about how good the defense is, if they can somehow figure their shit out, they have the talent still. They do. And if they get Worfs back, if they even get a Ryan Jensen back, which actually would require some further discussion because I don't know what that would do to throw off the cohesion in the middle. But obviously you get them right back in if you can play. But anyway, the point is they have a real test ahead of them now. They're traveling across the country to play the San Francisco 49ers. There is no doubt the 49ers have a potent defense, arguably the league's best. Joey Bosa and Fred Warner, two of the two of the best in the league on either side of the ball, just tremendous superstar yeah. talent. And they create a major headache for any opposing offense, no matter how good they are. And I mean, <laughs> that complicates things because the Bucks offense hasn't been very good at all. Oh my god. No. And just like we all thought when the season started, uh, you know, Brock Purdy would be a three and a half point favorite. Over Tom Brady, that was you know in the stars on draft night when when Purdy was the last person selected in the in, entire draft. We knew that he would be hanging three and a hook uh, against the greatest quarterback of all time. No, but seriously, um, interesting interesting spot. Uh, the Niners are really good. Purdy looked good when he came in against the Dolphins this past Sunday. You know, considering that their quarterback has really just been kind of a point guard shuttling the ball to different guys, getting people open, or, uh, you know, just trying to distribute between Trey Lance and, and Jimmy G the last few years. Purdy feels like it's like he could do that, which is, you know, I've, I've kind of uh, pushed back against how good Kyle Shanahan is. Not that I don't think he's good. I think he's really good, but you know, people, calling him a genius he's like well he's, he's certainly not a fucking genius but he's a really good play caller and uh he definitely gets the most out of his guys in most situations so you know brock purdy having to go up against this bucks defense which is you know uh, definitely an upgrade from the dolphins defense that he just played against right is uh is an interesting matchup for his first start and for the bucks to travel across the country uh on a short ish week right so i don't know I don't know. I don't feel great about it, to be completely honest. For Tampa, you're Colin. You were talking about some ifs if they get it all sorted out. If, you know, if and when Worfs gets back in the lineup, that's all positive. I'm just, you know, we've seen it for 12 games now. Now, of course, they're going to go in there somehow, win 35-17, and look like uh, Super Bowl front runners, right? So I don't know. I don't know what the hell goes on in this league week to week. I, I just yeah. legitimately kind of. As much as I can't stand watching them, I want to watch this game. Yeah. I uh, So if there's ever a time for Tobles to be like, okay, motherfuckers, this is why I'm here. This is why you need me. It's this kind of game. And to as a defensive coordinator, I think he's going to draw up some shit. And I think he's going to make life a little hard for this rookie quarterback. I don't know. Um, or wait, rookie? No, pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah rookie. Yeah. Yep. This year's Mr. Relevant. Pardon me. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I do. And I think, San Fran, people are like – I get it, man. I get it. They brought in McCaffrey. They got the skill positions on offense covered. They have the best left tackle in football, two of the best defensive players in football. And I know you're right. You have you have kind of pushed back a little bit on the Shanahan shit. You know I'm a fanboy. I think he designs plays, and all, his offensive scheme yeah. is just so impressive that he's able to have people talk about his team as a legit Super Bowl contender. He took he took with Jimmy G to the Super Bowl. I just think he's a big reason why Jimmy G's look good, and I think he could do it with almost anyone at quarterback. Yeah, I still think they're a little overrated right now. I think everyone is on their D. And I'm looking back here. They lost to the Bears. 1910 to the Bears. They lost to the Broncos. They they lost to the Falcons by 14 points. Um, so they are certainly capable. Like they're not super consistent. Granted, this is earlier in the year, and they've certainly found their rhythm of late, uh, winning four in a row uh, against some quality opponents. Um, but I just want to say, I think. You know, if there is a game for Todd Bowles to kind of have an imprint and really get after this Purdy kid, th this might be it. And Tom Brady going back to, you know, 
his home, maybe his future team. Hope not, mm. but who knows? Don't, I don't know, man. Don't put that out there. <laughs> don't put that out into the world. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The, Fuck. The, the thing. Maybe the thing, that, the thing that scares the shit out of me is the offensive line um, in this game because it's a whole nother beast from the Saints and Donovan Smith playing how he is. I mean, Josh Wells in there at right tackle trying to handle Nick Bosa. That scares the shit out of me. But yeah, uh, they'll have great. to they'll have to find a way to handle that and get some help in there for for Josh Wells and if the middle can hold up. I don't know. I think the Bucks have a chance, man. I really do. We'll see what I do with my score prediction. I'm not ready to make one yet, but no, that's fine. You, you yeah. can catch those on BucksGameDay.com. Staff score predictions come out shortly before day or two before the game. For sure, they have a chance because why not? But to to think that we're gonna see anything different, I think we're just we're just fooling ourselves at this point. Like it's just not gonna happen. It's gonna be the same stuff, super conservative, uh, you know, limited innovation on offense and just questionable decision making, you know, for Bulls. Bulls' best case scenario is if they're up 17 in the fourth, so he doesn't have to make a big decision because obviously he's shown that he can't do it. I'm not trying to harp on it, but it's it's a big part of the season and it's a big reason why they are six and six. And you know, they won that game uh, against the Saints on Monday. Uh, you know, even if they lost, they still would have been in first place in that fucking absolute dumpster fire of a of a division. So, you know, tangibly, it probably wasn't a huge difference uh, in their playoff odds or anything, but it's obviously better to win the game or not. But I just, I didn't leave that game being enthused or thinking anything different about the Bucks. I just didn't. Um, Nor should you. Nor should yeah. you. So win or loss in that game was almost irrelevant to me. I'd rather have them lost, but seeing them try some more things and, you know, showing a backbone. Um, and maybe San Fran is overrated. That's that's fair, but you can't back your way. I don't think you can back your way into a win against them, right? Like you can't just luck your way into a win again. You're gonna have to go out there and play and and, and actually and actually beat them. So yeah, oh, I think that I. I think I have – I feel like the defense is due for a couple turnovers here, not just like a That's, couple splash plays and to potentially put up some points. I don't know why I got that feeling. Like I'm going to call – we're going to see two fucking turnovers, whether an interception and a fumble recovery, two interceptions. I don't know. Two turnovers no. versus Brock Purdy. Book it. And hey. that could mean Tom Brady just has to do enough. That's – and you know what? That's fair. And like you said, the lack of takeaways has been the only thing missing from this defensive performance so far basically. And that kind of, there's obviously a luck factor to turnovers, right? So maybe that regresses to the mean and, and they they find one or two in, in a big spot, especially against uh, a young quarterback like this who hasn't seen a defense of this caliber. So, you know, that might be, that, that might be a pretty uh, a prescient, um, you know, projection by you here. Boom. We'll, we'll see. And that would be huge. It'd be nice to have a couple short fields, right? Like, Three and outs are great, obviously. That's huge. But, you know, you, get, you make great stuff, but they punt it down to your 22. That's still a big ask for this offense to go 80 yards, right? So, you know, if that this there's ever a time to give them a couple short fields uh, and maybe get up, get a lead early against a good team, this would be a great place to start and show something. I'm just, I'm just like not going to get fooled again. I'm just not going to be, I'm just not, I'm not. Yeah. No more betting on them, Scotty. No more picking on no them. Shit. No shit. No. Although no. plus three and a half. I don't know. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Not even looking at it. Have it. Have it like X'd out on my on my phone somehow. It's like, yeah, it's no, not happening. And and like, I mean, the Bucks. I want to say the Bucks need to get one of these next two games because they got at San Fran and then they got Cincy coming to town and Cincy's really hitting their stride now. Yes. Um, yeah. but. You know, I think the Buccaneers could conceivably still win the NFC South if they don't. But I think they need to for themselves and to start getting on the right path here to win one of these games and prove to themselves, if not everyone else watching, that they can knock off a quality opponent. Um, so for sure, that's, what, that's you know, and I think this is a be almost a better opportunity than Cincy. I don't know, Cincy looks fucking good right now, man. You it's know? such a weird position they're in where the results are almost irrelevant. It's like they're going to win this division, right? The the rest of the division keeps keeps making huge mistakes. Like Atlanta had two very winnable games these last two weeks. They could have, you know, really put some pressure on them. But I agree it's more for them to see themselves do it against a good team and to get a good win and to play a complete 
four quarters and not need a miracle at the end would be so, so encouraging because we just haven't seen it. We just haven't seen it at all this year. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't want to say the results don't matter, but at this point they're in such a unique spot in this division. It's kind of like, all right, man, we know what's going to happen. They're going to somehow host this playoff game, but can we, can anything, anything encouraging at all would be huge. And these, Hey, San Fran and Cincy are probably two of the five best, you know, power rated teams in the whole league. Right. So pretty big stretch here. Pretty big stretch for sure. Yeah. If they, if they manage to win both somehow, I'll be, uh, I'll have a Josh Wells Jersey on for the next podcast. I'll tell you that. Hey, if they manage to, to win both and, you know, show some signs of, of innovation or change or anything, then okay, great. But I, I'm just, I'm just not confident in it. I'm not at all. Like, I think they're going to get rolled. I think they're going to get rolled this week. Whoa. Okay. Well, we disagree. I, I think they're going to hang tough. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, I can't believe guy, it. The objective guy doesn't believe it. I'm so sure. Yeah. I can't. I'm, I, I, sh- I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just, how many points do you think they're going to score? Um, Like I said, I think the defense is going to put, I think they're going to, I think they win like, 16 13 or some shit okay well maybe maybe and maybe that's how they have to win the game but that sounds painful like well, 16. Hey, hey, i would take whatever well i know just like probably the best defense in football so if there was ever a time to excuse them for putting up 16 and being a game like that whoa um yeah. <laughs> sorry about that yeah anyway i think i we, shouldn't we, say we, i think they're gonna get i shouldn't say i think they're gonna get rolled likely it's a lower scoring game with longer possessions right with both teams trying to run the ball and like uh, longer drives and kicking field goals and stuff like that. So just by the nature of a lower scoring game, they probably don't get blown out, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just think, I think Todd Bowles is going to dial some shit up and make Brock Purdy's day real difficult. And I think this Bucks defense is capable of executing it. So um, anyway, that's what, what I'll be looking for and hoping for this Sunday. Hopefully we get a good game so I can keep my boy Scott here willing to watch Buccaneers games and continue to cover the team with a weekly podcast. But I'm going to, I'm going to hold them to it, folks. I'm going to make them do it for you, for me, for for, for the box. So on that note, Scotty, if you don't have anything else to add, I think it's a great time to put a bow on it. I want to thank anyone who joined us live, Uh, wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube at Bucks banter. We appreciate it a ton. Uh, And we'll, we'll be on the air again next week to break down what is hopefully a win a big win against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the only benefit of losing, if they lose, is that I won't have to purchase a Josh Wells jersey because <laughs> they won't have a chance of winning two in a row. On that note, go Bucks. Catch you later. Thanks, folks. Peace.